Mr. Robot Season 1 is over and has been for a while, but Mr. Robot Season 2 is just about to get started, and so are we here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by my man in the blue latex murder hands, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, what's going on? Please don't describe me that way in public to anybody else, and maybe you're noticing this is my murder voice. This is this is your murder voice. You sound off like your name should be Mike. Well, yeah, my name could be Mike. My name could be Mike. That could be my name if you wanted it to be. Yeah, this is. Um, th- I've been Josh. Murder been Man sitting- Mike. I'm Murder Man Mike. I've been Murder Man Mike Bloom. I've been sitting alone in my room, Josh, just kind of screaming at the wailing wall here, trying to just count down the seconds until season two of Mr. Robot drops. And I'm so happy to be talking to you right now about the things we're looking forward to in season two, the burning questions we have, the bugs, the daemons, the things that have been going on in the background we haven't been paying. The McDaemons. The McDaemons even, yes. Yes. All right. So we are going to be talking about everything that is coming up in season two of Mr. Robot premiering on July 13, just two days away as of this recording. All of this is coming up very, very soon. If you have not heard us here on Posher Recaps talking about Mr. Robot before, then boy, you guys have missed a heck of a party. It was a really great time, wasn't it, Antonio? Yes, we went back through, Josh, and we rewatched all of Mr. Robot season one. We did recaps where we talked about it from a spoiler-free perspective uh, for people that were coming to the show for the first time, catching up on Amazon Prime or watching on usanetwork.com uh, or buying it or whatever. Or we uh, And then we had a spoiler section. where A, spo- a spoiler section, <laughs> A Josh. spoiler section. In you sound spoiler- like me. In the spoiler section, uh, we talked about it from the perspective of people who had seen the whole show before. And I got to say, really benefits from a rewatch. There are so many great things in this show, not only hidden in plain sight, but layered. Comparisons that are there that aren't clear until you've seen the whole thing. This is a very difficult and confusing show. Hopefully a lot of people have benefited from our discussions about the rewatch. We've had a great time doing it. It's, it was really fun. We've talked a lot about Mr. Robot here on Post Show Recaps already. We did a series overview show before we talked about anything else. We went back through episodes 1 through 10 of season 1, every single hour of season 1, talked about them from a spoiler-free and spoiler-filled perspective. All of those podcasts are available at postshowrecaps.com slash mrrobot. iTunes, that is our Mr. Robot feed here on Post Show Recaps that you can subscribe to, that you can leave us your ratings and your reviews on. We would really appreciate that. And here we are. We're about to start setting up our thoughts for Season 2. We called that Robot Road when we were going through Season 1. Robot Road is over, Antonio. We are about to blast through into Mr. Robot Season 2, into the great unknown, a whole string of episodes. 12 episodes here for this second season of Mr. Robot that we really have no idea what's coming up. We had the benefit of knowing the ending of episode 10 of season one of Mr. Robot as we were talking about that first season. So we could really sound a lot smarter than we probably actually are. And now we're going to be idiots stumbling our way through season two of Mr. Robot. But that's really fun. We are going to be bringing weekly coverage of every single episode of season two of Mr. Robot. The show airs on Wednesday nights. Our podcasts are going to be dropping on Thursdays, Fridays at absolute latest. Based on our schedules, we are going to really prioritize this thing. I am also covering Mr. Robot for the day job, Antonio, so there will be some stuff to sift through on that front. I will be covering Mr. Robot for The Hollywood Reporter, so there will, awesome. be, interv- there will be interviews that we can bring into the mix, some context from those conversations. So I think we're going to have some really robust, robot conversation as we <laughs> move forward through season two. 
Yeah, so not only are you going to have a lot of information, not necessarily in advance, but you're going to have these kind of great takes from the work that you're doing at The Hollywood Reporter, but we also have a little bit of a robot road roadmap, a robot roadmap, if you will, yes. just from things that we've kind of outlined after our rewatch, things that are the burning questions, the things that are in the background, the things that we're certainly looking forward to from season two, uh, and that's kind of really what we're going to hit today, uh, things that if you if you didn't rewatch along with us, but you did watch last summer and you're just picking it back up again. These are the key storylines that emerged or that were still hanging out there at the end of season one that we think might play a part in season two. All right. So let's start talking about all of that stuff. Let's just dive straight in. I, I think like that diving. I know you do. You're a big dive Olympic master. Diver. I was an Olympic medalist. In dive, dive master Mazzaro. Indeed. We are we are going to dive straight in here with Antonio Mazzaro. We are going to talk about our biggest takeaways and biggest question marks still hanging over our heads and hanging over the head of the show of Mr. Robot going into season two. And I think we can start with really, it's not the final season uh, or the final scene rather of season one, but it is the penultimate scene of season one. And it is the final time we have seen Elliot Alder here in Mr. Robot. There is a knock on the door. Elliot is at his apartment. He has just left Times Square where he has maybe blinked everybody in Times Square out of existence. I don't think that is actually what he did, but he had this moment where he is kind of squaring off with the Mr. Robot side of his personality and saying, uh, Mr. Robot basically says, go home, enjoy the, the spoils of war, sit back, read up on what we've done and take it all in. Elliot takes that advice. He goes home. He is looking at a screen. Sound and color is playing. It's a beautiful moment. There is a knock on the door. Elliot goes to open it. Smash to credits. Antonio, who's at the door? Who is holding the door? Yeah, hold door, Josh. Uh, that's a good question, and I think that is the big question. That's the that the Elliot story dominated season one. Obviously, Elliot was our narrator. Elliot was our eyes and ears. Elliot confused us a lot of the times because what Elliot was seeing, hearing, thinking, feeling wasn't necessarily in tune with reality. So with a kind of an unreliable narrator like that, uh, that story is the one we're really hooked into. And that ends with that knock on the door, like you're saying. So it's a huge question. That's not the first time we heard knocks on the door throughout season one. There were other times where Elliot's door had knocks or pounding. In fact, uh, the, the dream sequence episode where Elliot was going through withdrawals from his opiate addiction uh, has a very big knock on the door. Shayla has knocked on that door before, Josh. It's a big question. Who's knocking I on don't the door this time? I don't think it's Shayla this time. You're going for no on Shayla. That, I understand. But the show could always bring Shayla back as some sort of something. Like she could be there as a projection, as a memory. This wouldn't be the first time, Josh, that Elliot has manifested a dead person that starts talking to him. Well, so it could now be that, Shayla. Now that's a bigger question. As we're heading into season two, we already know the big spoiler of season one that we can talk about freely here is that Elliot and Mr. Robot are the same guy. You know, Mr. Robot is a different aspect of Elliot. Um, are we going to start getting into the territory in season two where Elliot is manifesting new personalities or seeing other ghosts from his past? That's something that we talked about a little bit along the way as we were looking back on season one. A lot of people are high on the idea that Elliot and Tyrell could be the same person. You and I don't seem to think that that is really possible. I really don't think that that's where the show is going. But going into season two, just riffing on this idea that it could be Shayla or another ghost from the past 
knocking at the door and this really could once again be in Elliot's head. Do you think that that's an avenue that we're going to explore in season two, that there are more people that Elliot is going to start projecting? I think the key thing is it's an avenue we could explore. As, as to whether we will, I'm not sure. I, I will only say this. The whole deal with Mr. Robot, Elliot's father, is Elliot felt very guilty because his dad asked him to keep a secret. He didn't keep the secret. Uh, his dad was angry about him not keeping the secret, shoved him out a window, and he's carried that guilt around with him and that pain for a very long time. Elliot caused Shayla's death, Josh. Like, it, it directly, indirectly, however you want to put it, that's on him, and he feels like it's on him. So if guilt or pain from a loss has caused him to manifest the person again in his life in the story we saw in season one, we could easily see that with Shayla. That's not the only loose end Elliot has. I mean, there are other things in Elliot's life. Uh, Elliot clearly has a loose end with... Uh, Krista's boyfriend, Krista, his therapist, boyfriend, Michael, Lenny, whoever it is. This is someone that Elliot hacked early on in season one. And by the end of season one, we see this guy saying he's already reported Elliot to the cyber police unit. So this is somebody that has gone out and said, this person has hurt my life. You need to track him down. So that's a major loose end for Elliot. The knock could easily be related to something like that. Another major loose end for Elliot is Gideon, Gideon Goddard, his old boss at Allsafe. Somebody who, again, was very suspicious of Elliot by the end of season one. He knew Elliot was up to something. Gideon knows that Allsafe has been kind of manipulated. It's not a very large conclusion for a smart person like Gideon to jump to that the person who might have been involved in the manipulation was Elliot. So that's a major loose end as well. And then you've got just the rogues gallery of people that are in Elliot's life. People like Darlene, uh, Angela, Krista, his therapist. All these people could be knocking. But Josh... Elliot's building has a buzzer on the door. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah, we no, saw that in true. season one. Angela buzzed. She couldn't be let up. Elliot had to go down and talk to her. We didn't hear a buzzer in this scene. Now, we didn't hear a buzzer earlier in episode nine or episode 10 when Tyrell Wellick kind of snuck in in episode nine at the end. He was just there. So the question is, how can you get in and out of Elliot's building? Should there have been a buzzer? Does the lack of a buzzer mean it's someone else in the building? I don't think we know that. But yeah. I do think it could be any one of these loose ends. Uh, it could even be somebody like Vera who's floating around out there. Uh, brave traveler, if you will. Uh, savage traveler. A savage traveler. Andrew even. Savage traveler, yeah. And Andrew Savage traveler is out there with an axe to grind perhaps against Elliot or perhaps needing to use Elliot for some sinister purpose. Uh, so that's there. Even Ollie, Angela's douchey boyfriend from season one, knows that Elliot was somehow involved with the Dark Army. He was, Ollie was recruited by the Dark Army to take Elliot to a certain place at a certain time. So any of these people really do know that Elliot's up to something and any of them could be the ones knocking at the door. Anybody else, Josh, you have any other theories? All I'm going to say is if we have been hanging on this door-knocking cliffhanger for all of these months and it's just Ollie on the other side, I'm going to punch Mr. Robot in the face. <laughs> well, is that, is that your Mr. Robot? So you're going to punch yourself in the face? Yeah, I'm going to punch myself in the face is what I'm trying to say. Don't Nothing do it too good. hard. Nothing good is going to be accomplished from it. Um, any other theories? No, I like the idea of Fernando Vera just because that is a uh, that is a knot that I'd like to see untied at some point moving forward. I don't know if that's big enough to justify the ending here. You know, Elliot is at the heart of the F Society hack against E Corp. You got to imagine that whatever this knock is is involved with that somehow. Whether literally it is somebody from E Corp, is it a Philip Price? Is it some sort of flunk? 
Pinky? Is it somebody from F Society? Is it Mobley coming to get Elliot? Is it somebody like that? Or is it um, psychological? And it's once again Mr. Robot, and he's the one who's coming in and saying, all right, so you did what I told you. Now let's get back to work. Or is it Tyrell Wellick? I feel like it's got to be somebody who is involved in that storyline. But that being said, I mean, I think it's as good of an opportunity as any to say Fernando Vera is still out there. You know, that's kind of the biggest, you know, the biggest rogue in the rogues gallery that has only had sort of a blip on the radar appearance. But what a blip it was. Got to feel like in season two, Fernando Vera, is that a character that's popping up this year? Do you want to plant that flag now and say definitively one way or the other? Well, as we talked throughout uh, season one, we talked about how we really liked that Mr. Robot was building up its bench, that we had multiple characters, multiple different lines uh, in that maybe the Vera thing feels like a little bit of a distraction at the time. It is not necessarily tied into the primary story, except for the way that it affects Elliot emotionally and mentally, which is not a small thing, by the way. But it does not necessarily tie in directly to the evil, the E-Corp hack storyline. But the fact that Vera is still around out there is a great loose end for Elliot. It's the kind of thing that you think everything's going along great and you've forgotten about this one thing that you didn't take care of and it just hits you all of a sudden. That's the great deal with the Fernando Vera of it all. So I would love to see Fernando Vera in season two. I'll say yes. I'll say we will see Fernando Vera in season two. Yeah, I will I will co-sign that for sure. I think just in terms of who is knocking on Elliot's door, who is hodoring that door, it's really anybody's guess. There's a lot of suspects. We named basically half the cast, if not a little bit more, uh, just in talking that through. So it's really hard to say right now based on what we've seen. Is there evidence for who it is that is summoning Elliot and why are they summoning Elliot? Is it Elliot himself? That's something that I imagine will be resolved somewhere here in season two. Let's Let's talk about another massive cliffhanger from the season one finale. As we're entering season two, there is a major player on the board whose whereabouts are completely unknown. Talking about Tyrell Wellick, uh, the you know the 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 murderer in uh, in uh, in a suit. You know he went and he killed Sharon Knowles. He did everything there. He went straight off the edge. He saw good. Uh, he decided that he would go and see Elliot and get in on the F Society situation over there. And suddenly, after that coming together moment where Elliot and Tyrell are together in the arcade, three days pass. Elliot wakes up in Tyrell Wellick's car with zero recollection of what happened to Tyrell Wellick. Apparently Tyrell's wife doesn't seem to have much of an idea of what happened to Tyrell either based on the interaction she has with Elliot in the season one finale. Mr. Robot really offers no further clarity about what's going on with Tyrell. Antonio, what's going on with Tyrell? This has to be, you know, this has to be at least the second biggest question going into season two. Maybe for some people, the biggest question. I think so, too. And I think as we talk through season one, again, our main question about this relationship was how much more was there to it than what we saw on screen? There did seem to be a little more than what we saw on screen. It seemed like Wellick had to have been a force in the end game of the hack at some level. There was a call to Gideon Goddard that was very conveniently timed. The fact is that El- that Wellick could have stopped the hack at some point. He shows up to Elliot's door with the blue murder gloves on and basically is saying that you you can't do this. Like, you have to figure out, uh, you have to tell me what's happening. You can't just do this in the dark. And that is, uh, that's an issue that is, that, that is not uh, resolved because 
He takes Tyrell Wellick to the arcade. Uh, Wellick sees everything, and the hack still somehow goes down. So did Wellick help? Did Wellick do something? What role did he play? We really don't know about that. Is there a potential here, Josh, for the show to flash back, sometime even back to the beginning of season one or before, and fill in the gaps on this relationship? It's something that you and I have talked a lot about here as we've been talking about Mr. Robot is what is Elliot and Tyrell's relationship? How far back does it go? What has happened that we have not seen? It's very much built into the universe and especially built into Elliot as a character that we don't know everything that he's been involved in. Frankly, Elliot doesn't know everything that he's been involved in. Arguably, we know more than Elliot does about what Elliot has done. Uh, Tyrell could be a very big part of it. In season one, we see the Mr. Robot side of Elliot interacting with Tyrell. How often have those two people met? How often has Tyrell seen this aspect of Elliot without knowing that there's a multiple side of Elliot, perhaps? But how often has this happened? Are we going to go back in the past to connect those dots? I think that would be really exciting. I would hope that we would see that. I would at least hope that we're going to get some sort of look back on what specifically happened to Tyrell, although I do think that there are ways that the story can just move forward and kind of fill in those blanks as we go forward but speaking of blanks antonio i don't think that there are any blanks in that gun that is hiding in the popcorn at the arcade the final shot of that penultimate episode of season one where tyrell and elliot are hanging out at the arcade at f society that popcorn machine is very much a piece of that are we worried that Elliot did something particularly nefarious to Tyrell? We know that Elliot has used a gun before uh, in the scene where he, as Mr. Robot, is holding a gun up to Romero's face. The way that Mr. Robot has talked about violence strongly suggests that a side of Elliot is at least okay with executing violence, if not familiar with executing a certain level of violence. Even if Elliot himself, the baseline Elliot, the pure Elliot has said, I don't even know how to use a gun. Are we worried that Elliot may have used a gun on Tyrell Wellick? Is it possible that by the time season two starts, Tyrell Wellick could already be dead? Yes, absolutely. I'm worried. I'm worried because Elliot is worried. Elliot says to Mr. Robot in the final episode, in episode 10, I know you killed him. Just tell me where you put him. Tell me where he is. So Elliot is saying to the half of him that he's manifesting as his father, I know you killed him. And this is the Elliot who knows the password that Mr. Robot has set on a disc, who knows the things Mr. Robot is doing when Elliot is not necessarily present in the Mr. Robot timeline. So I'm wondering if we take that as gospel or if Elliot's just worried about that. I do love the, the whole show, the idea of Elliot being two halves that are at war with themselves and that the, the one half of Elliot, as you're saying, doesn't even want to take the gun from Darlene and the other half of Elliot has no problem putting a gun right to Romero's head. So that is fascinating. There is a very good chance that the half of Elliot that has no problem using a gun that often manifests as Mr. Robot absolutely did use that gun against Tyrell Wellick. I'm going to say, no, he did not shoot him. And the only reason I'm going to say it, I got to have some Tyrell Wellick in season two, Josh. I got to have a lot of Tyrell Wellick. I got to have a lot of Tyrell Wellick too, but I would not put it past this show 
to have killed Tyrell Wellick and still be able to have Tyrell Wellick in the mix. Certainly there is precedent for that in the death of Elliot's father, who is now manifested as and his other to, aspect yeah, of Elliot. we're back to that again. Sorry to talk over you, but we're back to that again. And that is the major thing that was great about this show. But there is a huge door open and no one's knocking on it. And that's the one. We hit it with the first point and we're back to this again. Could a, a character show up who is dead? And are we going to know they're dead until the end of the season? No idea. So you're right. They could easily work Tyrell Wellick in. And Elliot won't necessarily know that Wellick isn't even alive until the end of the season somehow. Yeah. You know, it would be, it would be nice to say, like, you could see if Tyrell Wellick shows up in season two and he is starting to interact with other characters, that should be a sign that Tyrell Wellick is alive and he is interacting with other human beings. But we used that same logic the first time through the show where you're seeing Mr. Robot independently interacting with Darlene, Romero, and Tyrell. And those are just aspects of Elliot. I think what's really important is who are these people interacting with? And are they interacting in a way where they have to be unique, very specific types of people? Or if Tyrell does pop up here in season two and we see him talking to some people that could perceive Elliot to be acting in a certain way, do we have to be suspicious of that? I think that the big one will be Tyrell Welk getting a chance to interact with Joanna, his wife. If we see those two characters together, I feel like we'll be able to pick up fairly quickly whether or not that's Tyrell or Elliot. But I think just in general, the fact that we're even talking through this personal this this um this possibility rather really speaks to the fact that this show breeds deep, deep, deep paranoia uh, and has gotten us to a place where you have to start questioning that kind of stuff. And I think as we've been looking back on season one, I think we've busted the idea that Elliot and Tyrell in that season were the same guy. But I think now is a good time to start being suspicious of that the second we see Tyrell Wellick. And we will see Tyrell Wellick. It's just a matter of the state of Tyrell Wellick. That's a, I think that's a very good point. And I think it's interesting on a show where Elliot, the first time he meets White Rose, the transgender dark army computer hacker uh, in the basement of a building, White Rose talks about hacking time and really managing time. And when Elliot walks out, he's worried about time at that point and says, White Rose has infected me with her time paranoia. Elliot has infected us, Josh, with his own paranoia, such that when a character shows up, we don't know if they're really there or not. And we do yeah. have to look at their interactions. And we do have to look at how they're relating to other characters on the show. And we have to be asking ourselves those questions. And as soon as we start doing that, as soon as we're paranoid, uh, we're lensing the show in a way that things are going to happen and we're not going to be able to trust them. And pretty soon, Josh, we're infected with Elliot's paranoia. I think it's awesome. I think it's masterful. I think you're right. I think Joanna Wellick is the key in terms of the Tyrell Wellick interaction. Joanna Wellick herself, very fascinating character. There's a lot more going on there. We found out that she had a child when she was 15. We don't know who the father of that child was. We don't know what became of that child. Uh, we just know that it happened. So is that something that's going to come back? Was the interaction that Joanna had with Elliot at the end of the season that we kind of reenacted, Josh? Uh, my Danish was so good in that moment. I know very for a good. fact. Yes. Very skillful. I've had a lot of compliments about it. Uh, yes. What I would say is in that moment, 
Elliot was really paranoid again. So we're paranoid now as a result about Joanna Wellick. I think that paranoia is well validated. We saw her throughout season one being cool under pressure, seemingly being a couple steps ahead of her crazy husband, Tyrell. So I can't wait to see more Joanna Wellick as well, Josh. And yes, she is the key to the Tyrell story as far as whether he's alive or dead and what the status is. I think that she's probably the biggest key for me, but not to, you know, rule out the possibility that Tyrell Wellick could get picked up by somebody at E Corp and get brought in for questioning or get caught by the police or any number of things. Uh, And somebody could just call him Tyrell Wellick and be like, okay, so that's probably Tyrell Wellick. Yeah, and this is not a spoiler in the preview material for season two. The most kind of jaw-dropping thing that's happened is USA in the trailer for the second season has put out a President Obama giving a speech uh, and talking about the 5-9 hack and talking about F-Society, and the name Tyrell Wellick is mentioned there. So he's a wanted man for sure. So whether or not Elliot stashed him or not, he's probably on the run just to be in hiding as a person of interest. If he's alive... It's a difficult situation. <laughs> like it's very difficult. Yeah, there are no good situations for Tyrell Wellick right now, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, because there really just is a lot going on. And I think that's the next kind of big thing like, that e- we need to talk yeah. about. Even if it's not the hack, I mean, he's wanted for murder, probably, for yes. the killing of Sharon Knowles. So, you know, that is, you know, that's not to call that small potatoes, because I don't think murder is small potatoes, but it is small compared to the massive, massive hack that he is being linked to in this preview material. And that could be very, very bad. I think that takes us to our next really big topic, right. is all of season one is building up to F Society. Uh, you know, pulling off this massive hack attack against E Corp, bringing them down, erasing debt, shifting the balance of power back to the people. Um, in the end of season one, lo and behold, the hack goes through. Elliot wakes up three days later and he is living in a world where E Corp has been greatly, greatly, greatly damaged to the point that higher ups at E Corp, or at least a higher up at E Corp, is committing suicide on national television. Uh, really, I mean, globally broadcast stuff. Everybody with an internet connection is going to see that happen. That is a massive thing that is happening to the biggest conglomerate in the world of Mr. Robot. What's the fallout of this? I mean, we started talking about this in our final recap podcast of season one. We talked about how Mr. Robot was starting to look a little post-apocalyptic, that we were starting to look at a world where things were very different. Things were very anarchic. A lot of that anarchic side of the Mr. Robot personality of Elliot really felt like it had invaded the streets, which is why Mr. Robot seems to be really giddily inviting Elliot to take a look at his work. Look at what you've done. This seems to be the world that Mr. Robot wanted to build. What's the fallout of this going to be? What's the new world order of Mr. Robot as we enter season two? Yeah, and I think that's a very good question. The same question that F Society is asking themselves, Romero, Mobley, Trenton, the members that we saw of F Society in season one and the party that they're having. Everybody is kind of listless, if you will, a little kind of uh, filled with ennui. Like it, the hack is anticlimactic for one reason they didn't get to execute it together they didn't they didn't take that final step together and then for the other reason is what's next the jed bartlett west wing question uh, is the big question for f society and they need to know and elliot is the leader of f society 
And Elliot is really unmoored right now. Elliot is in a weird place where he's begging Mr. Robot to show him to show back up and just explain to him what even happened with the hack. So he seems to be in no place to lead F society. And that is a major thing because these people, they want to do the next thing. The world is now watching. They were watching the world. They were there behind uh, the walls, behind the kind of secure places and in the background. And now uh, F society, the world is watching F society. Uh, there's probably a lot of expectations. They're a major organization at this point, even though they're loose. So the question is like, what comes next? And I think that's a major question mark for season two. The evil core pack is done. So is there a new hack? Is there something else in play? That's a major thing. The other major thing, though, Josh, is we talked about how they've executed the hack. Fair play. The hack is done. But what was done with the hack? The data was not destroyed. It wasn't burned up in a fire. It wasn't erased forever. It was simply encrypted. Right. Encrypted. Yeah. Encrypted to the degree that the, that the man who committed suicide from E-Corp, who was, you know, into cybersecurity was basically saying, the only thing we know is that it's impossible to decrypt. Um, that is, uh, you know, that seems like a very knee-jerk thing, like a very doomsday type of thing to say when we know that this data has not been destroyed. This data does not still exist unless it comes into play later on. You have to imagine there is a reason why something is crippled or locked away rather than outright decimated. Uh, maybe F Society has swallowed the key, um, but all it takes is a surgeon to remove that key from the bowels of F Society. Uh, yeah. so, what, so what do you think? Is that going to be something that really comes into play here? Is this leverage that's going to come into play here in season two? Well, I think so. Uh, and the only reason I think it is Mr. Robot is a show that has really occupied a lot of uh, the current zeitgeist, that it's really tapped in to things that are going on. We mentioned an article that uh, that was – I think it was a New York Magazine article. We tweeted – or we, we linked it in our show notes a few episodes ago about what a real-life cybercrime would look like if there was a cyber terrorist attack – all the different things that could happen. One of the things that happens in that story is about encryption. And the, right now, there is a lot of kind of encryption kidnapping going on uh, where people's data gets encrypted and then you have to pay somebody to unlock it. That has never seemed to be F Society's goal, but it does seem to be like something that is locked could be unlocked. And so when we, when we talked about this in episode 10, the aftermath, the final scene after the credits with White Rose in male form talking to Philip Price, the CEO of Evil Corp, he was a little at e- une- uneasy, Philip Price, but he seemed to think that it could be sorted out. We also talked about what White Rose's endgame might be, and maybe White Rose could eventually decrypt that data. And so I think that that is a, a big kind of thing that's hanging out there. The data is only encrypted. It is not destroyed. And we live in a world where people encrypt and decrypt data for ransom money. So maybe that is something the Dark Army could get into. I would definitely be on the lookout for that. I'm not sure. I... I'm willing to say I think that, that that possibly happening or not happening is a story that we're going to see in season two. I'm not sure that it will happen. Yeah, I think I think that there's a good likelihood that that's out there. I think that the fact that it's encrypted, not destroyed, that feels like a very specific note, and that feels like a toy that's still in play. You know, that's still on the playground. That's still something that you know, that's a ball that they can pick up and run with at any point that they want. I feel like this is a show that's pretty deliberate. I feel like that's very deliberately left there. So let's see if that shakes the, out in season two. But I think it's something worth planting a flag on right now. Yes, and the key element of that, remember, is that Mr. 
Mr. Robot's original plan, Christian Slater, Mr. Robot, the dark side of Elliot, if you want to call it that. You like to call it the chaotic side, Josh, the anarchic side. The original plan was to burn the data up. That was before yeah. there were backups of it. That was before there was something else. The original plan was not to encrypt the data. It was to burn it up. Elliot's kind of baseline Elliot plan was to do something a lot safer with the data instead of just burning it up because burning it up could, could uh, endanger lives. So the original plan was to destroy the data. Elliot didn't. He deviated from the original plan uh, and went with something else. So I, I think that you're right. That is a keynote, and I think that keynote ties into a key kind of element of season one. That decision to deviate from the plan or that that kind of cold feet about it is what got Elliot shoved off the rail at the end of episode two. Yeah, that's a very good point. So, I mean, that tension that exists between Elliot and Mr. Robot, that could really come out through something like this. This is really deviating from the plan as well. Yeah, so it, it's. I, I just think that that's something that could come into play. I think the writing, uh, the writing could lead us there. I think the doors open. I think the White Rose scene with Philip Price is pretty important to that, and the fact that the Dark Army seems to operate on their own terms and were a key part of this hack. Uh, I think it's possible that the data could at some point be decrypted on some level or threatened to be decrypted, and I think that that could be a big part of season two. All right, let's talk about the Dark Army a little bit more. You already brought up White Rose. White Rose is the character played by B.D. Wong, first appears in Episode 8 of Season 1, called White Rose, appears as a woman who has no time to deal with Elliot, tells Elliot, I will never see you again. I rarely have time in my life to see anybody more than once. You do not. Uh, you're not an exception to that rule. She disappears basically into the night in that moment. We do not see White Rose again until the very final final scene of season one the post credit scene in the finale white rose reappears next to philip price at this big kind of illuminati gathering type of situation the top one percent of the top one percent except this time white rose is in full-on bd wong mode uh, appears as a man wearing a suit hanging out with philip price they clearly know each other they are talking about business deals that they have together in africa what is the deal here? What is White Rose's endgame? White Rose, leader of the Dark Army, China-based hacker group, also apparently heavily linked with this elite part of society. Where are we going with White Rose? Yeah, and I think that I think we're you know we're kind of right in there. Is 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 the decryption of the data part of the plan? Is it something about if the share costs of Evil Corp go down, does White Rose stage essentially a hostile takeover, buy up the shares at a low cost, and then all of a sudden own Evil Corp? Is that the ploy? Uh, is there something else in play? Philip Price in that conversation we're talking about with the BD Wong mode White Rose says the number of agenda items think they're working on a lot of things together, not just this Evil Corp issue. They even talk about mines in the Congo. So there are these crazy things out there, and I don't think we know fully what White Rose's plan is, but you don't end the season on that note without it being a major question going into the next season. And I think the fact that the Dark Army was always being portrayed as looking out for their own interests, the fact that the Dark Army did in fact deviate from the original plan with Elliot, they pulled it. They pulled out of the original hack, and the reason they did is they they independently learned that Elliot was not doing what he was supposed to do, was not following protocol, had in fact pivoted and put Terry Colby under the bus at the end of the meeting in episode one, uh, and made him look responsible for the initial evil core pack, uh, made Terry Colby look in league with F Society. The Dark Army found out about that. They found out through their backdoor 
access to all safe. That was essentially something that they engineered through getting access to Angela and Ollie. So they have always been operating for themselves. I think it's foolish to assume that the Dark Army and F Society are always going to be on the same page and that the Dark Army just did this because they have the same goals as F Society. If you'll recall, Josh, the last question Elliot asks White Rose, as we've, talking to, as we've talked about, is why are you doing this? Yes. And White Rose walks away without answering. And that Elliot still has a little bit of time left in that meeting. White Rose does not answer the question and walks away. So I think that those are the those are the things we know about the Dark Army. Those are the things we know about White Rose. There's definitely something in play. I think it's a major question going into season two. What is the Dark Army's plan? And I got news for you. It's it's always to take care of the Dark Army's interest. Their interests are rarely directly aligned with Elliot's. Yeah, absolutely true. How about Evil Corp's uh, interest? How about E-Corp? How are they planning on rebounding from this? Obviously, they are in dire straits after this hack. Philip Price, however, as he often does, appears kind of confident or at least unconcerned or not gravely, gravely concerned. Maybe so in that final scene of season one where he looks a little heavy lies the crown. Um, But when he's talking with Angela in the immediate aftermath of this publicized, televised suicide, uh, Philip Price seems pretty calm. How how does he plan on getting out of this? Does he have a plan? And beyond just the sort of macro level of how does E-Corp, you know, find their way out of this situation. What's their interest in Angela? Angela, who is a character who spent the entirety of season one rallying and railing against E-Corp, trying to take them down through a lawsuit, trying to seek vengeance against what happened to her mother, much as Elliot had been using F Society as vengeance against E-Corp for their role in the death of his father. They have this shared tragedy of losing a parent thanks to E-Corp's negligence. Angela is fighting against E-Corp, but somehow gets sucked into the belly of the beast, is recruited into E-Corp, is offered a job, by Terry Colby. She accepts it. She is skeptical of this as well when she is stepping into it, when she's talking to Philip Price. Philip Price is very evasive when she is asking the questions of, why am I here? You know who I am. You know what my interests are. Why am I here? And he basically just says, you're refreshing and you're young. And that's cool. There's got to be more to it than that. I think so, right? And we kind of speculated a little bit at the end of our episode 10 podcast that it may be that Angela is a way into Elliot, that maybe Elliot is on Evil Corp's radar and that Angela is a way in and Evil Corp is aware of Elliot on some level and this is, is the way in. That is a big possibility for certain. No question about it. Elliot and Angela are also very similar. We talked about this as well. They're mirror images in some way in that they both reflect what happened to their parents. Uh, Evil Corp leaked some toxic material, caused both Angela's mother and Elliot's father to die. And they've kind of reacted to it, clearly, in very different ways. Angela wanted to kind of really work for Allsafe and be this great corporate employee. Elliot hated everything about the job. Elliot wanted to take down these evil corporate overlords from outside. Angela is now within the belly of the beast, ostensibly to try to affect change from within. I'm not sure that that's Evil Corp's goal, though, uh, to have somebody who they can let change from within. There's definitely something bigger going on there. The connection to Elliot is is a big thing with Angela. There's no question about that. I'm not sure what other plans Evil Corp would have for Angela. Do you have any other thoughts on this? 
No, I think that it would have to be to get to Elliot is the is the likeliest one, and especially because White Rose says to Philip, by the way, I've heard that you guys know who's responsible for this. And right. Philip Price says, yeah, yeah, we've got that, and we're going to take care of that. And if you're to buy that at face value, then he knows that Elliot is the leader of F Society, or at least knows how to strike at F Society or knows what an F Society is in more than just a conceptual way. And I think that Angela would be a very sharp tool in removing Elliot from the factor, from the situation. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it, uh, I think that that's a, the, probably the most likely scenario there. Uh, Angela is not really connected to Tyrell in any way. When Philip Price says we know who's responsible, Tyrell is also the other very likely candidate to whom he's referring at that point. Uh, Angela is not connected to Tyrell in any way, so I don't think that could be it. I don't think Angela's father really has any real connection that Evil Corp would want to exploit. I don't think Angela's work at all safe is something that Evil Corp would be wanting to exploit. The only real exploit in Angela's life is her connection to Elliot. So that's the most likely thing for sure. I agree. Um, speaking of Elliot, as we're starting to wrap up here, how much of Elliot's past are we exploring in season two? There's so much about Elliot's history that we've heard from Elliot. We also now know without question, even though it was baked into the pie from the very beginning of the show, the raspberry pie, that Elliot is not someone that we should be trusting fully, uh, certainly based on the Mr. Robot reveal. But Elliot has told us a lot. He has talked about memories of his father. He has talked about being pushed out the window he has talked about his father's death he has left out certain details as well that are suddenly starting to come up darlene is his sister he did not know that how much of his past are we going to be exploring as we move into season two yeah yeah i think elliot's backstory is really fascinating obviously we got a lot of that in season one we had these multiple flashbacks with elliot and his mother we learned a lot about elliot and his father's relationship we didn't necessarily learn a lot about elliot and his early relationship with f society i think that's something we could certainly plumb for information if you'll recall josh early on in the premiere of uh, mr robot and it may be in the middle of the first episode Christian Slater as Mr. Robot basically tells Elliot that he's given a test to everyone in F society and that everyone is there that is there has, has passed the test. Now that we know Elliot is Mr. Robot, I'd love to see what those tests are. I'd love to know more about the relationships that formed F society. Uh, I also you want you want the 90 minute flashback episode where we find out how Elliot formed F society and what happened to Tabitha the goat. Like that's what you are looking for. Well, the Tabitha the Goat part, I don't know that we need that. Tabitha, you know I mean? Tabitha the Robot. Yeah, that would be a lot better. Uh, that would be a lot better than Tabitha the Goat. I really don't – we don't need to go into Walking Dead territory with this one. But yeah. The Goat uh, Bot. The goat, Mr. Goat Bot, yes. <laughs> Coral Goat Bot, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think we need to get everything. We don't need a 90-minute episode, Josh. We don't need to go crazy. But I would love to see that. I think there's a lot of material there. I think as we talk about the show building up its bench, I think we have only really scratched the surface on Mobley, Trent, and Romero. And I would like to know more about those characters. Some of the better kind of quiet scenes in season one are the scenes that feature those characters interacting directly with either Darlene or with Elliot as Mr. Robot. So I would like to see more from them. I also want to know what's up with Elliot. Like we know he was in court-ordered treatment with Krista at the beginning of season one. His court-ordered treatment expiring is a plot line in season one, whether he's going to continue his treatment with Krista. 
And so what was that for, Josh? What are some of his past incidents? What has happened with Elliot in the past uh, before we meet him at the beginning of the show? Angela says to Darlene, you coming back, you moving back to the city is caused part of these problems with Elliot. So at some point, was he fine? We also know he's a relatively new employee of Allsafe when he starts working there at the beginning of the season. Uh, when we meet Elliot for the first time, he's a relatively new employee there. What did he do before that? He has a huge book of hacks, Josh. He has a huge book of these burn CDs like the blood slides that Dexter Morgan keeps that represent previous things that he's done, previous victims. Uh, There are a lot of CDs in that book. We don't know much about many of those CDs. So I want to know more about Elliot's past and what got him to this position. I think that's great. I I also kind of want to know just really what's happening with Elliot's mom. She's a major character kind of under the surface of season one, popping up many times doing horrible things to young Elliot. We find out in episode 10 that young Elliot wanted to be on the most dangerous train car, Josh, because he hoped it would derail on his way back home so that he would die and not have to see his mother. That's pretty messed up, man. And so I'd love to know what's going on with Elliot's mom. And then we had the final thing is that Alderson could be older son. We've talked a little bit about that as well. That's a theory on the internet that maybe Elliot at some point had a brother. Uh, The picture that we see manifesting of the Alderson family has had different people in it throughout the course of season one, depending on where Elliot's head's at. So does Elliot have a brother? Is he the older son or is there an older son that's older than Elliot? Uh, that's, That's something I think is possible. The more we get about Elliot's backstory, I think the richer the character will be and the better the show will be for it. I've got a theory. I want to hear it. Is it more cowbell? Yeah. Elliot is Ollie's older brother. And Ollie is also secretly Mr. Robot. I take back everything I said about the more we learn about <laughs> Elliot's backstory, the better the show will be. Uh, if that's the case. Why is it every time Ollie is at the end of a twist, it's just the, the worst idea? Because Elliot, Ollie's the Ollie's worst. son. Elliot, Elliot Ollie's, Ollie's son. Yes. Is going to happen. No. That is going to be my, that's my big prediction moving into season two. How did you get this gig at the Hollywood Reporter, Josh? <laughs> because it's ideas I'm, that, like these, I guess. Because, like Mr. Kane, I'm smart. Yes, exactly. No, I, yeah. I think that would I, I, I do think Ollie's going to be back in the show. He is a loose end, and he, the, I think that the show has had fun with that character and fun with that actor. Uh, the the Maroon Five of it all, the George W. Bush decision points of it all, and I just think the show can can continue to have fun with that guy. I whether he shows back up in a bigger twist, I really don't think that's the case. But I, I the show's earned a lot of my trust, so if they want to use him in that way, I'm willing to watch it play out. But I really hope I don't have to. One of the things that we talked about in season one when we were talking about Ollie, we had a moment where we planted a flag and said, is Ollie going to survive season two? I believe you said no. Am I misremembering that? Uh, one of us said no. One of us certainly yeah. did not think he would live. I can't remember which one it was, but I'm willing yeah. to say he won't. Yeah, so we were talking about that. One of the things that we do here often when we do preview shows on post-show recaps, because we are morbid, morbid individuals, is we often do a death draft. We try to forecast who is not going to make it out of the season that we are about to talk about. So before season two premieres, uh, let's not do a full-scale death draft right now. We don't really have the bandwidth for that. But let's both take a player and let us decide whether or not 
this person is going to make it out alive. Let's pick somebody who is not going to survive season two based on our guests. And I'll turn it over to you, Antonio. And let's just take Ollie off the board for the sake of argument. Who do you think of all of the major players that we have here moving into season two? Who do you not expect to see make it out of this thing alive? Well, I think we have to take Wellick off the board too, because if, if Wellick is, Wellick could already be dead and we could get the answer to that in season two. Are you, are you with me on that? I'm with you on that. Okay. So we're taking Wellick off the board because if Wellick is already dead, it's kind of – it's not – he didn't make it out of season two. He didn't make it out of season one. So I'm going to say – oh, man. Uh, so the show already killed Shayla. So I think Angela's got a little bit of armor around her. I can't believe that the show would go back and kill Angela after already having killed Shayla. Uh, Angela being Elliot's kind of long-term love interest. And Elliot's real kind of soulmate in terms of – his origin story, his mirror image in a lot of ways, like we've talked about. Uh, Elliot's other mirror image in some ways in that similar origin story is Darlene. I don't think the show uh, gains terribly much from killing Darlene unless Darlene becomes Elliot's anchor. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> – I want to say Flipper, Josh. I want to say Flipper. Oh, my God. Uh, is Flipper a character? Can I draft Flipper in this, in this one person, one character death draft? I will say I was just thinking, like, who's going to be my backup if Antonio takes the person that I'm thinking of? Uh, And Flipper was my backup that came to mind. So I will allow Flipper. I think one of the things that creator Sam Esmail and everybody involved with the show they've been talking about as they've been talking about season two is that the season somehow is going to be darker than season one. Season one was so dark. How does Mr. Robot get darker than season one? I think we're about to find out here in season two. Killing the dog would be a big way to go dark. I would not be astonished if that is a direction that we go in. I would be very, very upset, and I hope that that's not what's going to happen. But you can take Flipper, and I wouldn't fight you on it. Well, the I'll say this, and maybe I'm stepping on your toes a little bit, but the human representation of the loyal, caring, kind companion in this show is either Krista or Gideon. Uh, oh, both interesting. Of the, both of those people have been kind of very good to Elliot, looked out for the good in Elliot, tried to bring out the good in Elliot. And in fact, both of those people have stuck their necks out well beyond probably where they should have uh, in order to protect Elliot or try to help Elliot. Uh, Gideon kept him around longer than he should have because he was suspicious of Elliot before uh, he kind of confronted Elliot about it. He was suspicious of him very early in the season. They had that father figure hug. Uh, Gideon, if he knows about Elliot, if he really is suspicious, kind of has to die. And so that is the human dog. And then Krista is another person Elliot could easily lash out against. uh, And that could be a problem. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Gideon is my pick. Well, one of the things that we talked about a lot toward the end of season one and through Gideon especially is, you know, all these things that Elliot and F Society are trying to do are sort of, in their mind, socially beneficial. You know, they're trying to save everybody. And Elliot observes Gideon is trying to save his people. I'm trying to save all of the people. And Elliot's actions to get the world into the shape that it is in now, whether he consciously meant for it to happen this way or not, really did show some blowback to 
some of the smaller good people. Gideon was really the big example of that. So whether it's Gideon or Krista, I think is a great example too. I do think that somebody, you know, much like how Shayla was, uh, you know, her death was really on Elliot's shoulders because of actions he took and lies he told and sacrifices that he made that maybe he should not have made. I do think that somebody in Elliot's close life, um, whether it's somebody who is really in his inner circle or at least somebody that he cares about in a fleeting way, I do think somebody has to get affected. I think Flipper is a good candidate for that. I think Gideon is a great call. I think Krista is a good call. I think that somebody of that level, probably the death of a character like that would have major ramifications for Elliot and for the show moving forward. For and sure. We called him Gideon Goodard throughout because he was one of the only truly like good forces. Elliot talked about when he hacked Gideon, he only saw a good man. The death of Gideon would represent the death of the only really good thing on the show in terms of, you know, purity. And I think that if you want to go darker, you kill the most pure thing left on the show. Uh, that's an easy that's an easy call. So I want to pick Flipper, but I'm going to pick Gideon. Yeah, I think my pick was going to be somebody who is not such a good character. My 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 pick was going to be Philip Price. Oh, I like uh, it. You know, I just feel like you could see the Philip Price death scene playing out. You could see Michael Christopher, the actor who plays Philip Price, like giving a really great Philip Price death scene. I think that, you know, the further destruction of Evil Corp, I feel like you could just see that scene playing out of Elliot and the Mr. Robot personality and Philip Price in the same room together. Maybe White Rose is there. Maybe Tyrell is there. Tyrell is an axe to grind with this guy. You know, like there's just a lot of there's a lot of bullets coming for E Corp, and he is the head of E Corp. And how do you you know how do you make the body drop? As Tony Vlacos would say, you twist the head and the body falls. So Thanks. I feel like I feel like getting rid of Philip Price that seems like a very strong possibility for me. I also think. Um, I could see Scott Knowles, you know, if we're also looking at people who are in the E Corp family, who is somebody that could be taken out. I could see Scott Knowles, CTO of E Corp right now. That's a character who yes. I'm very interested to see what that character's arc is in season two. Scott uh, Knowles, cons- only, only pawn in Game of Life, Josh. Like, he, <laughs> in this whole thing, he is truly. It, Tyrell's play was like a major chess move kind of game throughout. See, at this point, though, Scott Knowles, the chief technology officer, the CTO, of Evil Corp, uh, he's an executive. Uh, look, I'm surprised that he's not like already fired for what's happening. Uh, he certainly seems like the kind of guy that's got something coming. Yeah, and I think that just so much has happened to him with losing Sharon, and if Tyrell gets back into it, and if Tyrell has been one of the guys who's been identified with this big hack against E Corp, you know, this axe that you talk about Tyrell having an axe to grind against Philip Price. Scott Knowles has an axe to grind against Tyrell Wellick, and maybe has no clear body to swing that thing into. So that's a character I'm looking at. So there's a bunch of possibilities, I think, for who we could lose moving into season two, but we really didn't see a lot of blood on Mr. Robot until the episode where we lost Shayla. Speaking of which, if Fernando Vera comes back, he's a great target for for death as well. Sure. Uh, but, I, but I think that you know we sort of took a really hard turn at episode six, at the end of episode six. We then go into episode seven and Tyrell chokes the life out of Sharon Knowles. We are living in a world right now where maybe Tyrell Wellick has been killed, uh, where Mr. Robot shoved a gun into Romero's face, where a man killed himself on television at the end of season one i think that you know if mr robot was still always you know it was very dark and sinister and nefarious 
and filled with paranoia from the jump. I think it took a really lethal turn about midway into the first season, and I think we're there. If the beginning of Mr. Robot was fairly bloodless, I think that we are in bloody waters now, and I don't expect that to subside anytime soon. Um, As we're kind of wrapping up here, Antonio, are there any final thoughts that you have about season two? The only final thoughts I have are related to the zeitgeist. We talked about how the show was so great in season one, really tapping into the things that were going on. Uh, Not only in the way people were feeling about the world around them, but very specific things. There were mentions of Bill Bill Cosby, Tom Brady, Lance Armstrong, mentions of Ashley Madison, uh, data dumps, just kind of very current events-y type things that are happening. So I'm always on the lookout for what that kind of thing would be in season two. There's been that major fight between Apple and the FBI, for example, over, guess what? The encryption of data, the encryption of data on iPhones, the ability to unlock that data uh, as they pertain perhaps to federal cases, uh, including national security issues. So that's been a major thing that's bubbled up sort of in the off season for Mr. Robot. Speaking of data, uh, Hillary Clinton, presidential candidate's email server has been a major deal. Sure. That could come up. We've had people like Tyrell Elliott in Martin Shkreli, the pharma bro, uh, have come Kind of popped up into the zeitgeist. Uh, we've had major corporations doing horrible things or getting called out or caught for bad things, things like the Volkswagen uh, kind of current uh, emission standards issue. So there's all these things. And Chinese hackers, Josh, uh, right around Christmas, I think, stole personal data with a hack into a U.S. government uh, center. So all the things that Mr. Robot talks about, the sort of plots and plans that are in play, they're happening in the world around us. So one of the things I'm really looking forward to in season two is what are the issues that Mr. Robot is going to highlight that are happening right now in our world uh, that that are occupying that space? How are they going to plant their flag within our current zeitgeist like they did last summer? That makes the show really hit home. People are like, wow, what am I watching? Was this show made like last week? How are they really ahead of what these major stories are? I think the show did a great job with that in season one. I'm really looking forward to seeing that in season two. Josh, are we going to hear the name Donald Trump mentioned <laughs> on season two of Mr. Robot? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a flash of Donald Trump on the screen. I mean, I think that you're hitting on something that's really accurate and one of the things that's really powerful about Mr. Robot is how plugged in, no pun intended, it is is to our modern life and really sometimes predicting events before it happens or occurring alongside current events. Um, You say looking forward to that stuff. I hear that. Also, dread is a word that comes to mind. Sure. Because this is a show that is oftentimes awfully prescient about some stuff that is really scary and not so great. Uh, So that's one of the things that makes Mr. Robot a real ride is a lot of it is very relatable in a horrifying way. Um, so if it taps into the zeitgeist in a really big way here in season two, much of that could be for very dark, bad reasons. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how all of that shakes out. Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's moving. It's affecting. It's impactful. I think that's why you and I have found so much to talk about here just in going back to season one of Mr. Robot. And now that we're kind of moving into uncharted territory, that makes this a very anxious ride for me, but also one I'm really looking forward to embarking on. 
Yeah, anxious is the right word because you're right. There are some very dark things happening in the world right now. This is a show that had to delay an episode because of a dark real-world event that the show sort of accidentally mirrored. So if they tread into these waters, the further they get, uh, the deeper we get, the darker the waters are, uh, I think the more difficult the show might be to take in. So it's a very delicate balance to strike, but I'm fascinated. I cannot wait. I literally can't wait. If all 12 episodes were available right now, I wouldn't sleep. I, I would not rest my voice. I would just sit up and watch them probably 1 through 12. So I think so. <laughs> I'm never going to take them in. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it one week at a time as Mr. Robot starts. So Mr. Robot Season 2 is premiering with a two-episode, two-hour premiere on July 13. It is going to run for a 12-episode second season. That's two more episodes more than that first season. So that's very exciting. Again, we are going to be giving you recaps of every single episode every single week. Those will be dropping on Thursdays, Fridays at the absolute latest. We are going to be here. We are going to be talking you through everything with Mr. Robot. Subscribe to what we're doing, please. Postshowrecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes. That's MR Robot iTunes. That is the way to subscribe to what we're doing here with Mr. Robot. Leave your ratings. Leave your reviews. Leave anything you want. We'll take it. We're desperate for just stuff. We really need gear is kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, if you want to leave some Pokemon, you know, that's something that's happening right now, apparently. Yes, yes we want your Pokemon. Yeah, Go. Yeah. Lead us to your gym, uh, if you will. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, leave that. Uh, and, you know, anything, any treats you've got would be nice. No, Treats um, would be great. Yeah, yes. honestly, the best thing you can do to support Post Show Recaps is doing exactly what Josh said. Subscribe to our Mr. Robot podcast. If you want to listen to our coverage of other big shows and things we've done in the past, you can always subscribe to our main Post Show Recaps feed. Josh, what's the link for that? That is postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Yes, so you've got the main feed there. You've got our Mr. Robot-specific feed, and the reviews really help us on iTunes. Uh, At the beginning of the season, the more subscriptions we get, the more reviews that we get, the more we're going to pop up the iTunes charts, and the more people are going to be involved in this conversation together. Uh, Throughout the season, we're going to be heavily leaning on feedback and questions from listeners and thoughts that listeners have. We've we've had a lot of success with that. Here at Post Show Recaps, we intend to continue to do that. So the more you subscribe and rate, the more we're going to have people that that are participating in the conversation, the more robust the conversation, the more robot the conversation will be. All right. What do you want to do for a hashtag here? Oh, Josh, you've killed me throughout this episode. I, you've just killed me. So why don't you suggest it? Uh, we have Mr. Goatbot. Is Mr. Goatbot is pretty good. Yeah. Mr. Goat Goatbot. Bot. That's pretty good. We had Robust Robot Map. I like that. Okay. So either one of those will. I like Mr. Goatbot. Let's okay. go with Mr. Goatbot. Let's go with Mr. Goatbot. Because GOAT stands for greatest of all time. That is absolutely true. So tweet that our way. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. Two Zs, one R. I'm at Round Howard. We'll be back very soon, very excitingly soon, with our recap of the first episode of season two of Mr. Robot. Can you believe it, Antonio? Can't wait, won't wait, Josh. Can't wait for this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be very fun. All right, everybody. Take care. Bye.